0: Comment and share. All right, folks. Look, we're live and uh I'm trying to patch this together as best as I can. I have no audio on Matt's end. Maybe you guys can hear Matt. Uh, Matt, if you want to talk, go ahead. See if, uh, if if any of the audience member could hear Matt, uh hit the number one. If you can't, hit number two. Yeah, that's that's go ahead, a
1: good idea. Can can people hear me? Can people hear me right now? You you have a few seconds to end write number one or make some some announcement that you can hear me people out there because V cannot hear me. All I'm right. Assuming- looks like uh, people can hear
0: you, Matt. Yep. Everybody can hear Matt. Okay. This is great. Wonderful. So Matt and I, I'm going to, I'm going to let Matt go and I'm going to, uh, I, I, I'm just, whatever questions are going to pose, we're going to pose it right in the, the private communications that I have with Matt. So Matt, uh we need introduction check him out Time foundation.net as well as uh the Canadian do- i'm sorry uh, canadianpatriot.com and with that being said matthew erritt welcome back sir go for it buddy
1: thank you v uh, yeah this is going to be a weird one um, i am also i'm using my cell phone both to communicate with you with my thumbs as well as speak to the audience so i'm going to see if i can do this with as little uh, disturbance as possible Uh, This is going to be tough, though. So anyway, thanks for having me on once again, as we do every week, uh, V. I think that um, what we wanted to talk about, we don't have a lot of time today, uh, but what we wanted to just provide is a little bit of a a weekly overview of the the world as it is. Um, So I'm going to just say a few things about some of the the breaking events and just sort of set that in context. Um, And then we'll go from there and figure out how do we interact. I'm not too sure how that's going to work out, but... Essentially, <clears throat> I mean, we we are facing, as as your audience knows, a clash of two systems, right? Anybody who's been watching your program has has been following your channel is very much aware that the world is currently uh, being pulled by two separate futures. And this week in the Middle East, we've seen an incredible array of singularities that I think are worth just uh, discussing briefly. But obviously, the Belt and Road Initiative has really transformed the rules of the game, especially since 2013, when it was first announced. Um, and in, since 2017-18, it really began um, making its presence known in the Middle East, in the Arab states. Uh, Africa already um, has increasingly jumped on board, but there's, there's an effort to pull the Middle East as well as Africa, which has been the targets of a lot of geopolitical manipulations in two separate directions. Um, This week, we've had the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which is a a sort of, I mean, as everyone knows, it's a major security um, system that was set up in the, you know, 1999 period. The ball got rolling. I think it was in 2001 that it was really set up with the China-Russia bedrock. But since then, there's been many other nations who have joined Uzbekistan. Most of the stands have joined. Pakistan is a member. India is an observer. Uh, But they had a major meeting on uh, the 14th of uh, July. Uh, where it involved discuss, high-level discussions with foreign ministers, uh, many experts from, from around the world, on what to do with the new vacuum that's been created, so-called, by the new U.S. policy in the Middle East, specifically the, um, <clears throat> the, the removal of troops from Afghanistan. Now, this is not quite what it seems or what it's, how it's being portrayed in the media, because obviously there's still 18,000 uh, contractors you know, there's many black ops types, things like that, that I've seen no evidence are, are leaving. Um, and we also know that a big chunk of how the US or the Anglo-American foreign policy establishment has done regime change uh, across the Middle East and Africa, but especially the Middle East for the past decades has been through subvert subversive uh, covert weapons uh, being provided from the CIA, from intelligence networks, as well as from obviously proxies like uh, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, Qatar. Um, specifically Qatar has been uh, the most active in in many ways as well as Turkey Um, and we know that the Idlib province has been a uh, a, you know an Al-Qaeda hub um, a major Al-Qaeda hub in Syria uh, for some time so we know that we have on the one hand an apparent uh, withdrawal of troops and we have certain a certain usefulness that's coming with that specifically um, discussions now to bring uh, rail lines from Pakistan in, uh, that connect Pakistan, Iran, uh, Uzbekistan, through, um, uh, through Afghanistan. Uh, there's uh, high-level discussions to connect Kabul um, through Pakistan uh, with the CPEC, the extension of the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor. Um, highways are being discussed, other forms of fiber optics that connect uh, many of the nations uh, through Afghanistan, which is, you know, historically a hub of the old Silk Road. It's moving potentially to recapture that role. Um, while on the other hand, you know, you, you, you have a battle over what will the Taliban's role be? Because you have, you know, we have Russia, we have China who have agreed um, by and large, that the Taliban must be treated as a partner on the negotiating tables to try to create a uh, a working relationship with the current government. The Taliban, you know, they control something like fifty percent of the Afghan territory, uh, none of the capitals yet, but they have a huge stronghold and you know, if you look at the West, you know going back even to, to the point that we we look at Afghanistan as a whole. Um, there has been an effort to try to paint the Taliban as the cause of not only Al-Qaeda, but also of 9-11. That was the excuse that got NATO countries to get into Afghanistan to begin with, which, again, if any of your uh, listeners, our listeners have not been living under a rock, we know that that whole story was a fraud uh, that had more to do with Anglo-American and some Saudi uh, intelligence agencies and less to do with uh, anything the Taliban was doing. So, you know, On the one hand, we have had, I mean, Trump, Donald Trump tried this last year uh, to get a diplomatic agreement with the Taliban, which actually worked quite well at a certain point until, I think his name was uh, Ambassador Jeffrey, um, uh, what's his name, Uh, James Jeffrey, uh, worked very hard to sabotage a big chunk of that as well as uh, certain other forces within the U.S. deep state, Um, but all that to say what, what had happened when Trump negotiated to get the Taliban to sit down at the table, there was a, uh, a subversion where there was a bit of a peace treaty on the one hand with the United States to stop killing, you know, to, to basically stop with the the firefights and the drone attacks and everything else. And then within days, you had uh, from the Pentagon operations conducted to conduct evening dr- uh, nighttime drone strikes, n- uh, night raids that basically undermined the, uh, the peace process that was going on. So Russia and China are currently reawakening that. We also know that uh, there is both the, and I mean, again, the Taliban have played uh, a negative role in many ways in the last 20 years, but it's within the whole context of a, of a broader insane geopolitical operation to basically light the world on fire, starting with the Middle East, and to undermine the weak underbelly of Russia, but also of China. Um, so you know China and Russia currently are hoping that the Taliban... Uh, work very hard to end terrorism. They, obviously, the Taliban has demonstrated that it doesn't want Afghanistan to be a, a dope economy. Well, while the Taliban were in control before the U.S. jumped in there in uh, 2001, we know that um, they had wiped out most of the opium production. Today, Afghanistan is the source of about 80% of the world opium uh, heroin production. Um, that's a huge that's a huge quantity. So. That that also goes through drug money laundering outfits on Wall Street in London uh, that support the black economy, and I don't mean black people here, but you know everyone should know what I'm talking about. Um, and uh, in fact, it, it's a big part of what's been victimizing the black community since the '70s, when Bush Senior started really a program um, inside of the United States to infuse uh, dope, spe- and and I mean we're talking like crack in the, uh, the black neighborhoods of the United States as part of a cultural warfare operation. So this has been going on for a long time. Um, so this we know that the Taliban shut that down. When the U.S. came in there, it, it increased to up to 95% at the max. Today, it's 80%. China and Russia want to wipe that out, and they're providing, again, real economic development. Um, we know that Wang Yi, the uh, the foreign minister of China, has been on a rampage, a wonderful rampage, uh, going from all sorts of different stand countries, um, as well as uh, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, but also Algeria, Syria, Egypt. And and before going to Algeria, Syria and Egypt, he went to, um, no, no, before going to Algeria and Egypt, he went to Syria. And at in Syria uh, on the 18th, just a few days ago, he met with Bashar al-Assad. We know that they arranged uh, economic agreements to both officially bring in uh, Syria into the new Silk Road, the Belt and Road Initiative. We know that they had uh, agreements on on energy, on economic, certain economic programs, as well as uh, health uh, health arrangements that were, were set up as well. There same things are, same discussions are going on in Egypt. Egypt is currently and has been at a bit of a, a standstill in, in some ways economically, um, where there, the, the plans to double the, the Suez Canal, have not borne the types of economic boom that they were hoping, but that has a lot to do with other international uh, geopolitical games that are preventing uh, real, the real flow of goods from, from east to west. In Syria, one of the big problems is a lack of food and a lack of energy. Uh, the cause of that, I mean, there's a huge food crisis right now. A big chunk of the population is uh, facing food insufficiency and the fact is uh, that you know the US military both well both both the 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 caesar sanctions so the the US government which has sanctioned C- uh, syria um has prevented food from going into that zone has pre- prevented energy vital oil shipments to to go through and any country as as people know uh, doing business with a, a a nation sanctioned by the united states whether it's iran or whether it's syria will themselves be prohibitively uh, sanctioned so very few have the means to actually conduct business with Syria that's created a huge scarcity and on top of that we also know unfortunately that there's major reliable reports of the U.S. military having burnt uh, wheat crops and uh, confiscated even grain deposits in Syria too uh, only exasperating the, the problem currently I think Syria only has something like one hour they have of electricity every five hours Um, That's terrible for refrigeration, for healthcare needs and other things. So they definitely need the Belt and Road Initiative to come in and reconstruct. Um, One of the things that, I mean, Biden is being celebrated for as a peacemaker amongst a lot of the, the liberal media is due in, like I mentioned, you know, on the surface, there's a retraction of troops from Afghanistan. However, we also know that there's been a redirection of energy towards two things one um giving a makeover to al-qaeda and a lot of the al-qaeda fronts like a Jabat al-nusra and um, um forgetting the other one but uh, a, a newer one uh, what's called the uh hyatt uh sharir anyway it basically got a new name in recent years and pbs brought the head of al-qaeda on just a few weeks ago in a business suit, gelled hair, and everything, the Syrian girl uh, who does some really wonderful videos did a, a really good 10-minute uh, broadcast on that on this uh, just a few days ago. But basically, PBS, a government-sponsored U.S. government-sponsored channel, brought the head of Al Qaeda on as a new form of moderate uh, fighter, um, a new freedom fighter, just like they had done in the in the in the 80s when Zbigniew Brzezinski launched the program in Afghanistan originally to overthrow the moderate government that was pro-Soviet by using uh, Mujahideen uh, Mujahideen, uh, operations and other radical outfits to inflame the Islamic card, right to play radical Islamic uh, madrasas into an operation that would then destabilize Afghanistan, the pro-Soviet Afghan government, which was very progressive. I mean, back in the 70s um, and up to 1980, there was programs to
0: All right, folks, I don't know what happened. I think Matt, we just uh, lost Matthew. He should be logging back on uh, at any point. I'm not sure what's happening. We're having some issues here with uh, StreamYard, our our, uh, platform. Um, Hold on one second. I'm hearing myself here. It's the uh, platform um, that we're using to stream to multi-platforms. And again, uh, this is what happens when we don't have El Cuco here. Uh, Yours truly uh, falls apart. So I apologize profusely for this. Uh, Matthew should be coming on at any second. And uh, Matthew's right. You know, there's a lot of things happening in the Middle East. A lot of these uh, Al Qaeda retreads are being rebranded as moderates, and they're appearing on PBS. They're appearing on BBC. They're appearing on. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, we had a former guy who was like one of the head guys over at ISIS rebranded, and he was, sa- he was sat down in a nice Western suit, and, and they put him now as a Syrian rebel. He's a freedom fighter now. He's a freedom fighter, and he's uh, out there giving an interview with the BBC. Let me check with Matt and see where he's at. Hold on one second, folks. Okay. Yeah. So... We should have Matt back on any any anytime. Just going to relax and thank you, Rob. I'm definitely going to be relaxing. <laughs> all right, Matt's coming back in. All right,
1: okay. All right, Matthew. All right, everyone. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, uh, V. You, I'm I'm assuming you still can't hear me, right? I'm just going to write you a little message. Okay. So, all right. So I'm I'm presuming that V still cannot hear me. Um, and I have no idea where I left off. Um, so I'm, because I don't know where I left off, I'm going to presume that people know that I was talking about Zbigniew Brzezinski. Ah, V has r- written to me that people can hear me, but not V, so it looks like I have the, the stage. However, people can, I can hear you, V, so I don't know why other people cannot hear you. Uh, that's weird. Um, okay, left off the PBS interview with... Right, okay, so the last thing people heard was me talking about the PBS interview uh, with the head of Al-Qaeda, painting him as a moderate. So there's a a certain uh, lipstick being put on the pig, same old pig, um, and obviously there is an effort to change, basically just not call Al-Qaeda Al-Qaeda and present it as something other than what it is while providing weapons, and I mentioned the Syrian girl, uh, already, but she did in this ten-minute, very, very well put together interview uh, video that people can get on her main YouTube page. She uh, has a list of of receipts f- that were uh, a part of a three hundred, I think, fifty million dollar military contract signed by Biden with eight European military uh, industrial firms, all sen- and they're all based in Eastern Europe, uh, Bulgaria. I forget the other ones, Romania. Uh, the former Soviet uh, production zone. Um, so part of this is to, I th- she posits, uh, to create a plausible deniability as these weapons are being flooded into the Middle East to create an increased uh, instability, um, which, I mean, the, the the Anglo-American deep state is petrified of the idea of the success of the Belt and Road Initiative throughout the Middle East, both connecting rail uh, from from... Pakistan, from China, from Iran, through Iran, into Iraq, into Syria, where there are ports like uh, Latakia run by effectively Iran or uh, Tartarus on the Mediterranean, uh, with which has a 49 year lease with Russia. So they're, they're completely afraid of real development and integration happening in the Middle East zone. So that's where you have um, obviously an operation to project an image of being peaceful while at the same time doing the very opposite and inflaming arson everywhere, uh, putting fuel on the fire across the board. Um, we know, again, I, I mentioned Trump. Now Trump tried to get that negotiation with the Taliban a long time ago, a year ago, that was sabotaged. We know that he had made efforts to retract troops from Syria and Iraq. We know that from the uh, the interviews given by uh, uh, McGregor, I think that was in February or January, that uh, the Pentagon and the CIA subverted that. Um, he was given false information from Ambassador Jeffrey um, on several occasions, giving a false image of what how many troops were actually in Syria and what the, the, the terms were on the ground. Um, and we also had you know Trump's attempt to fire Gina Haspel, which Mark Milley directly intervened on to block, which is uncalled for to actually intervene against the sitting president as head of, of uh, strategic command. Um, also efforts to detach the CIA and the Pentagon from the conventional military and to also defund things like USAID that had been used as a, a, a Soros front CIA outfit to destabilize governments around the world that had been done uh, to retract and, and seriously cut the legs off of uh, the CIA's capability to provide covert weapons to operations in Iraq, Syria, and Afghanistan. Trump had also gone quite far in doing that and over the, the last several months, there has been a complete reversal of all of these things. So, you know, we we have an obvious um, intention to blow the zone up. And so when people, I'm just saying all of this because a lot of people are, I'm noticing turning into mental jelly uh, and just be feeding off of the propaganda that, that the Biden administration is giving itself. The other thing is that in the current age, the current like strategic uh, world, we, we see that the conventional old-school terrorism as an excuse to uh, create wars, to cr- expand police state protocols, those are not really the favorite operation anymore as they were for the past 20 years. Instead, what we have is a, a shifting of gears towards domestic terrorism. So obviously, you know, the, the recent revelations over the past few weeks of new government agencies to oversee, uh, social media, the, the integration of the U S government with private social media, big tech uh, firms to counteract, um, misinformation, whether it's Russian or Chinese or, you know, white supremacist misinformation that's casting doubt on the government narrative of COVID-19 or whatever, um, basically thought crimes. That's going forward and expanding massively, while at the same time, you know, we have these crazy speeches. Uh, you know, you just listen to some of these things where Biden is was delivering a speech comparing the events of January 6th, which, I mean, there's been a lot written about this. We've spoken about this. This appears to be completely an inside job, job, Reichstag fire with uh, provocateurs and uh, intelligence agency operatives on the ground initiating the worst aspects of that day but Biden was comparing this day to the worst of the civil war saying that even at the heart of the civil war the confederates were never able to to pierce the (laughs) capital but we're now we've fallen so far so Obviously, this is a a shifting of gears in some ways to to declare a type of a war that's already been going on, but to really accelerate that onto the parts of the U.S. population itself, which would otherwise tend to reject a total depopulation uh, green fascism, which would ultimately undo the Constitution and everything that our past forebears had fought for, while at the same time trying to expand this idea of a new build back better green economy to the world as a whole to try to counteract the BRI, which is what the G seven came out with uh, just after the Shanghai Cooperation Organization summit was over. Um, there was basically a you know a meeting where Biden and many other of his coterie of of tools for the deep state uh, announced that you know for Afghanistan we are going to try to usher them into the build back better for the world. Uh, strategy, which is just essentially a, a, a green initiative, um, which is a boondoggle that cannot be funded, just like the US uh, infrastructure budget, which is, you know, not even a draft yet. It's, it's so far from reality, but it has no funding mechanism. It has no way of funding it. The US is beyond bankrupt already. It's a big bubble economy. So they're talking about these green solar panel energy grids with, you know, being funded by cap and trades and it's, it's just it's not it can't happen, but they're, they're that delusional while at the same time talking about internationalizing that. And some countries are dumb enough to go along with it. Um, I feel like I'm just ranting right now, but that's what we got to do, I guess. Um, the, um, it, you know you look at Australia, which was a part of China's the, the most historic economic arrangement in the Pacific zone of 14 nations uh, that had signed on to the uh, Pacific uh, Comprehensive Cooperation Agreement. And Australia was a part of it. India was not a part of it, but Australia was a part of it. And they chose instead to continue on with their cancellation of China's investments into BRI-connected projects in Australia. China was actually building. They had agreements set up in 2018, 2019 to build, uh, with Chinese help and funding, um, in many ways, uh, major infrastructure projects, which Australia vitally needs. And they canceled it all to be a part of this Quad global build back better insanity—it's insane. And then Iraq, who you need to have Iraq on. Currently, I don't know some of the de- a lot of the details, but I know that the former government of Al uh signed a BRI deal with China, and it, it, it's very similar to what China did with Iran, slightly smaller scale. I mean, the Iranian deal that that's now completely finalized on energy and security is a four hundred billion dollar, twenty-five year deal which involves Iran providing uh, cheap oil to China at a discount, while China is going to be providing massive amounts of energy and infrastructure investment into Iran. Uh, there's many other elements to this, uh, involving also a security element to it, which is interesting. Um, so the Iraq deal in 2019 that Almighty signed was was very similar, um, with, with a multi-phase modernization program to connect rail, and, uh, built by China throughout much of Iraq to help Iraq build soft infrastructure, hospitals, healthcare, schools, as well as hard infrastructure, which it vitally needs in in exchange for discounted oil. Now the current government completely reneged on that said, well, you know, that was the former government making a deal when oil prices were very low. Today, oil prices are are much higher. So we're going to just cancel our agreement and uh, just make more money now. Now, how short-sighted is that? Oil prices could plummet again. It's all based on speculation. So he's sacrificing his nation's future to get some momentary financial gain in the present and cutting off, at least for the time, Iraq's relationship with the Belt and Road Initiative. Iraq is and will be continuously an important part of this, but right now it's, it's kind of out of play at the moment. Um, doesn't matter so much when you look at all of the other things going on. And, you know, as we've talked about in many of our previous shows, The Belt and Road Initiative is an east-west corridor. Um, We also have the uh, north-south transportation corridor that Russia initiated with Iran back in 2002. It has 17 countries uh, on board. It's been moving slow, but it's speeding up, and it's very synergistic with the Belt and Road Initiative. And that also moves through the entire Middle Eastern zone that we're talking about here, especially Afghanistan, with a port in Gwadar um, uh, in Pakistan. India, like I said, plays an important role in this, um, which is vital because India is acting like a bit of a basket case. There are definitely uh, Hindu nationalists that are nuts that are being used by the West to try to create a, both a, a NATO of the Pacific with Japan, a quad, as they call it, but also have a bunch of weird uh, ambitions in Afghanistan to expand their interest there as a way to cut off uh, Pakistan and maybe even destabilize Pakistan a little bit more. So that's that's a problem that that has to be resolved. So hopefully the these things like the north south transportation corridor, the the BRI, um, and many other things that are associated with those, especially in the funding mechanism side of things, since these are all being funded not necessarily by I mean the IMF and the World Bank and other Western institutions could could participate, but they're not driving the show. They're not directing anything. Um, these are being funded by primarily Asian um, based financial institutions, Um, things like the Asia infrastructure investment bank, the, I mean, the BRICS development fund, the uh, development bank is not as much active as it should be, but this is definitely a powerful potential instrument for driving credit. Um, Putin currently is working very hard to try to, uh, expel the, whatever is there of the Russian deep state, which has, In some cases, a lot of administrative control in the regions, in the cities, especially in Moscow. Uh, There's current reforms happening there to circumvent that and to give greater control to the federal government um, to force credit to flow where it's needed in the development of Russia's Arctic and comprehensive infrastructure, which it hasn't really been able to do as well by far as China has. Largely because China, you know, Russia went through the Gorbachev era, the, the yeltsin gorbachev uh, perestroika in the 1990s, whereas China was smart enough to uh, to kick out Soros and to kick out their Soros operative Zhao Jiang, who was the, um, the 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 head of the Chinese Communist Party from 1987 to 89, and he he's the guy who worked. He was called the Chinese Gorbachev. And he's the guy who managed Tiananmen Square. He worked, he set up a think tank with George Soros. He brought in Milton Friedman, all of these libertarian uh, economic theorists into brainwashing the Chinese elite, the young elite in Beijing and, and other parts of China and Shanghai. So that was expelled. China was smart. They understood the nature of the dismantling quicker than Russia did in this case. And they didn't. they were able to keep control of their central national government mechanisms, banking, and other things. So they have the ability to get things done, whereas because Russia went through that period of dismemberment, balkanization, privatization, um, they are still still recuperating. So there is an increased momentum to, to heal from that. Um, Putin has done a remarkable job in the past 20 years. That is now moving ahead even faster. And it's happening largely because it has to happen. Uh, the you know these guys, you know the, the the greater Eurasian partnership, it's they're looking. The leaders of that system, Xi, Xi Jinping, Putin, many others, are looking at the West as a basket case, a desperate one, sitting on a bubble, which is a time bomb that will collapse. It will be detonated. The question is just when and how. What are the the predicates of it? And it's not a question of will it happen. It's when. Um, and what, what, which one of the many triggers will be used to deploy the chain reaction that will blow out the system. Obviously coronavirus has been selected as a cover for it to try to deflect people away from the real, you know, the real cause of what this is all about, but it really has nothing to do with coronavirus as I'm sure again, everybody knows this is uh, a bit of a, it's not a bit of it, It's an, it's a, it's a PSYOP. So <clears throat> What we have is an offer, China, Russia, the 140 nations working on the BRI projects. No, I mean, the 140 nations have signed um, memoranda of understanding over the past seven years to work on the BRI projects. They want a future. They want to work with Western basket case countries that want to find their better selves once again. The, it's an open offer. There's many olive branches that have been given to us. And the question is just, do we have the moral fitness to survive, accept those olive branches, eat some humble pie, recognize that we've been walking in a bit of a, a drunken stupor, and like any alcoholic, admit that we have a problem and start a process of, of healing? That's really essentially on a spiritual level what needs to really happen And people who are activists in the West, people who are um, in the political spheres of influence. Um, need to really recognize that they have a lot of responsibility on their shoulders right now as, I mean, literally we're at the end of an era, we're at the end of a system and we have, like I said at the beginning, we have two futures pulling us in two different directions and only one of them is worth living in. So with that, I don't think you can hear me V, but I'm gonna send you a little message uh, ending now. So V, I've just sent you a message saying that ending now. I hope everyone enjoyed that that little mini presentation. And, yeah, sorry for the the lack of banter between me and V. Uh, I know some people like that, and and I do too, and I, it's a l- I feel a little bit empty when that doesn't happen.
0: Very well said, Matthew. Thank you so much for being on, and even despite the audio issues, folks, we were able to do this show, so thank you all for listening in. And again, subscribe, like, comment, and share. With that being said, we're over now. Cheers.